Adventures Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, on this episode, we are going to be talking about the 2021 March for Life. Every year that there is a March for Life, uh, we are going to talk about it here on this podcast because it gives us another opportunity to talk about the abortion topic, which, as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, is basically the only topic. If you're going to have one thing that you stand up against, this is the one thing that you have to stand up against, and that's the genocide of children. But on January the 29th, they did a different kind of March for Life. This was the 48th annual March for Life, but it was the first ever digital march, okay? So it was uh, kind of a weird deal because of all the nonsense that went down at the Capitol, uh, close to the inauguration, then you had the inauguration, and then you have COVID and can't have large crowds and all this kind of stuff. And so they basically did a digital one. Tim Tebow spoke. There were some other people that spoke and did some different things, but the real headline is this, and that's since 1973, over 62 million babies have been murdered legally in the United States. 1973, that was when Roe v. Wade was decided. One of the worst decisions in the history of the United States Supreme Court, just based strictly on the law and on jurisprudence, but maybe the most consequential, or one of the most consequential things that we've ever seen the United States Supreme Court do, because since that time, 62 million babies have been murdered. 62 million. That is almost an unfathomable amount to wrap your head around. And people keep talking about how the rates of abortion are going down over time and all these different things. We're still at right around a million babies slaughtered in the womb every single year, pulled out piece by piece, sucked out with a suction tube. I mean, it's just absolutely astonishing. But that's basically all there is to report for the march this year. Yeah, doing a digital march, it's kind of hard to really live up to most of people's expectations, especially since last year, Donald Trump actually spoke live, the first and only president to speak live and in person at the March for Life. And whatever his historical record shows or whatever he goes down in history as, I will always be thankful for Donald Trump for doing that again. I'm not exactly convinced that this man is pro-life in his heart, that he actually really cares about abortion. But He was the most pro-life president that we've had from a legislative point of view. And this isn't a podcast about whether or not Joe Biden uh, should be president or or Donald Trump should have won or something like that. But you know what? If we were just looking at policy, I I think we'd have the same administration in the White House than we do right now, which is very consequential for the state of abortion in this country, which kind of takes me to some news updates, because that's another thing I encourage you guys to do all the time is to stay up on what's going on on the abortion issue, because a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm pro-life. But they never really think through the arguments, which which is an issue, especially if you walk up to somebody or get into a conversation with somebody who has thought about the arguments from a pro-abortion side. If you're not prepared, you're, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight in that situation. But also, if you don't stay up on what's going on, you're just essentially useless to the pro-life movement because you don't really know what's happening. Your, your arguments are going to fall flat. But on the 28th of January, via executive order, which is basically all he's done uh, since he's been in office to sign executive orders, but President Joe Biden, who is a devout Catholic, we've been told, has revoked the Mexico City policy, which banned U.S. taxpayer dollars going overseas to pay for abortions. Okay? So, again, every time... Jinsaki, who is his press secretary or anyone else in the Joe Biden administration, is asked about his stance on abortion. They always talk about, well, he's a devout Catholic, as if that means something, because he's been incredibly pro-abortion his entire career, but he's getting even more pro-abortion. And he's signaling that he's going to really he's working to attain the title of most prolific supporter of baby murder in history. That, like, that's really what, you know, he's president and that's pretty cool. But that's really the title that he wants, because there's two more things that are on Joe Biden's target list revoking the Hyde Amendment and codifying Roe v. Wade into actual federal law. 
So the Hyde Amendment prevents taxpayer dollars going to pay for abortions here in the United States, even though technically that's not what happens because we give tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood and they say it doesn't go to abortion, but when you give it to Planned Parenthood, it's clearly going to go for abortion. Whether they earmark it or do some sort of weird, you know, tax document to move money from here or there, like, sorry, we are paying for abortions, but it is the Hyde Amendment. It is one of those things that Joe Biden has flip-flopped on, one of, you know, the a million things that he's flip-flopped on during his a million years that he's been in Congress and been in public life, but he's going to try to revoke the Hyde Amendment. And then he really wants to codify Roe v. Wade into actual federal law because it's not law. Essentially, if Roe v. Wade goes away, the decision as to whether or not you should be able to kill babies goes back to the states. And so essentially we would have pro-life states and pro-abortion states. That's essentially what would happen. But that's really what's next on the list. So you got to be paying attention. But also on the 27th, the day before the 27th of January, Poland, the country of Poland, actually outlawed all abortions in the country, except for instances of rape, incest, or the mother's life being endangered. Because they were basically trying to target people that were finding out that their baby was going to have Down syndrome or a cleft palate or something like that. And a lot of people were getting abortions for that reason. That is no longer a legal reason to seek an abortion in this, in the country of Poland, which is amazing. So it's good, but not complete. Cause obviously uh, in instances of rape or incest, the, the baby in the womb has done nothing wrong. They should not be getting the death penalty for something that their father has done. Uh, and essentially we live in a day and age where the mother's life is never in danger to where abortion is the only thing that could save her life. You could deliver the baby. You can, you know, move some things around. You can actually do surgery by re- and remove the womb and put the mo- womb back in. We've seen this done in a myriad of different ways, but you don't have to just go straight to, well, let's kill the baby so we can save mom. You can do both. But there was another thing that happened on the 27th of January. My senator from the state of Oklahoma, James Lankford, gave a 20-minute address on the Senate floor admonishing the pro-abortion lobby, the pro-abortion arguments, some of the people in the Joe Biden administration. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. This is a man that I really respect. We're, We're working hard to try to get him to come on this podcast so we can talk to him about this issue and other issues. And what I'm going to do for you is I'm just going to play the entire speech. So similar to last year, I wasn't sure if I could play the entire speech that Donald Trump gave to the pro-choice or sorry, to the pro-life rally, to the March for Life rally. But I'm pretty sure since he is a public servant and technically I pay his salary, I'm pretty sure I can play this whole speech, but hopefully I don't have to take it down later. But I'm just going to go ahead and play this for you. But guys, I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention to how he presents his argument. So he's not flying off the handle. He's, he's very controlled. He's known for that, but he's also very stern in his argumentation as well. And in admonishing a thing that is a grave moral evil that we are allowing to be perpetuated on children in our country. So let's have a listen to what my Senator, Senator James Langford has to say about the subject of abortion. If you buy a new GM car, Nissan, Honda, Kia, or Toyota, even a Hyundai, you'll notice they've started installing a new feature in their cars. It's a reminder when you turn off the engine to check your back seat. Quite frankly, I rented a car not long ago and it started dinging and I kept trying to figure out what I had done and kept looking around until I saw the little monitor on the dashboard and it just said, check the back seat, which I thought was great because the makers of those cars all believe every child is precious and they shouldn't be harmed. We've all heard stories like this, but I distinctly remember last summer seeing in the news 
story about an infant who died because they were left in a hot car. That's why these car makers are making this feature now. I remember as I saw the story on the news and just the reports and how angry people were in the community and they were angry at the store and they were upset on the news and they couldn't believe that a mom had left a child in the back seat of a car and they had slowly died in the heat because no one wants to see a child harm. Everyone believes that every child is precious. But I remember when I saw the story on the news last summer, I remember turning to my wife and saying, I I can't figure out our culture sometimes because that same mom and that same baby could have gone into an abortion clinic just a few months before and that child's life could have been ended and it wouldn't have made the news. In fact, no one would have flinched. In fact, that very same people that were furious at that mom for leaving her child in a hot car to die would have argued for her right to destroy that exact same child. In fact, would have called it her reproductive right or even the new euphemism out there, reproductive care. Same child, same mom, nothing was different but a few months in time. Reproductive care seems like such a nice little euphemism. But what it really means is paying someone in a clinic to reach into the womb with a surgical instrument to pull the arms and legs off of a child in the womb so that they will bleed to death in the womb and then suction out the little boy or girl's body parts one at a time. That's what reproductive care means. And I don't understand why that's normal, but leaving a child in the backseat of a hot car is a tragedy. Maybe it's because as a nation, some people are afraid to answer the most obvious question. Is that a baby? That's the most obvious question. That face, that nose, those two eyes, that mouth, that chin, those fingers, is that a baby? That's really the only question. Is that a child? Maybe there's a second question that needs to be answered. Are all children valuable? Or are only some children valuable? We seem to have a great deal of debate today in our society, and we should, about facts. People say we can't seem to agree on the same set of facts and truth. You can't have your facts and my facts. We just only have facts. The media, big tech, activists have all decried of our losses of of our ability as a nation to just accept clear facts in front of our face, the obvious truth. So let me ask a question again. Is that a baby? Yes or no? Because if we're all supposed to say, let's at least agree to the most basic of facts, how how about that one? Is that a human child with a future and a purpose? and a name, 
Are all children valuable? Or only some? Gold is valuable. Doesn't matter its size. I have gold in my wedding ring. Many people have gold in their wedding rings. If we found a small piece of gold on the floor, it would be valuable. It wouldn't matter its shape, wouldn't matter its size, small or large. We don't discriminate. Gold is valuable because everyone universally recognizes its worth. Every single senator in this room recognizes the worth and value of gold. It's around $1,800 an ounce right now to be able to get gold. We all seem, no matter how small or large, gold is valuable, but we can't seem to agree that all children are valuable. Literally, gold is more precious to some people in this room than children are. Children aren't valuable only sometimes, or only certain children. Children are valuable. It can't be just if a mom or dad wants a child, they're valuable, and if they don't want a child, they're not valuable, they're disposable. If the mom or dad gets to choose who are precious and who's medical waste. Is that a child? That's really the only question that has to be answered. Because everything else flows from that. There are political conversations in this room about the value of children, and every time it comes up, it gets noisy. People will say, well, you don't fund enough money for education or childcare or healthcare in communities, so you don't love children. I would say I voted for the exact same bill you did last year for billions of dollars for assistance in childcare, billions of dollars for early childhood education, elementary and secondary education, higher education. We did additional assistance for SNAP benefits last year and assistance of benefits of moms and needs, increased health care for all communities, for federally qualified health centers to make sure we get health care to every single community. I voted on those exact same thing multiple other people did in this room. I care about children outside the womb. But those questions really aren't the question. They're distractions to the question, and I get it. Because if I ask, is that a child, people respond, well, do you spend enough for childcare or healthcare? And I still say, wait, stop answering my first question. Is that a child? Maybe I should ask a more basic question. Does everyone in this room believe in the principle we should do unto others as we would want done unto us? What would you want done to you when you were in the womb? Listen, I don't address this issue lightly. This is a difficult issue for some people. I don't think an abortion is a flippant thing that anyone walks into an abortion. I don't meet anyone that had an abortion and somehow gleeful about it. Quite frankly, I can't imagine that anyone who had an abortion would ever forget the sights and the sounds and the smells of an abortion, knowing that a helpless child is dying at that moment. I grieve for moms and dads who will never, ever forget that they went into a clinic and paid someone to get rid of their child in the name of reproductive care. I can't imagine what their emotion is. But we as a society have to answer this question still for every child that is yet to come. 48 years ago this week, the Supreme Court made a decision that has now resulted in the death of 62 million children in America. 62 million. That is hard to fathom. 
Unlike so many other Supreme Court decisions, America has not forgotten about this one. Our culture has not just moved on and accepted it. Every year since 1974, the first year after the Roe v. Wade decision, individuals from across the country have gathered in Washington, D.C. in defense of the unborn. Friends, families, church leaders, community folks, they've all marched in the rain, the sleet, the snow. It's, it's cold every year this week in January. But they come. This year will be different due to COVID-19 and the ongoing security concerns in Washington, D.C. Marchers are staying home and they're engaging virtually. Maybe this is one more moment where even more people can get involved online. Because I expect the rally this year will draw an even larger number of people from students and families and people, quite frankly, from all over the world just to ask a simple question. Will we recognize the most obvious thing in front of our face? That's a baby. President Biden this week celebrated the passage of Roe v. Wade by declaring that he wants to pass a federal law requiring abortion to be provided in every single state in America. To not just trust a court decision from 1973, he wants us to proactively require in statute that every state demands abortion in their state. And that the federal taxpayers with hard-earned tax dollars should actually be required to pay for those abortions all over America. It wasn't long ago that Senator Biden was saying things like taxpayers shouldn't be required to pay for abortion. They shouldn't be required to pay for something that they find so morally objectionable. It wasn't that long ago Senator Biden was talking about abortion being safe, legal, and rare. But now as president, within the first week, he's moving as fast as he can to promote abortion and demand taxpayers pay for it. In fact, painfully so, President Biden's nomination for the Secretary of Health and Human Services has actually no health care experience at all. It's a little surprising to a lot of us when we saw it because we're used to seeing the leader of health and human services be a physician or a scientist, which would make sense in the time of an enormous global pandemic to have a physician leading health and human services but he actually nominated someone that his biggest qualification is he is one of the most radical advocates for abortion in the country. He did it as a House member. He did it as an attorney general in California. And clearly the promise was made he'll do it if you put him into health and human services. Let me, let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about for Mr. Becerra. I, I just, I, I can't process some of these things. Mr. Becerra, when he was the uh, Attorney General for California, actually went to Mississippi to be able to lead a suit against Mississippi, an another state obviously, because that state was talking about limiting abortion to only the earliest days of abortion. Their belief was after a child feels pain, we should at least not tear a child limb from limb in the womb when their nervous system is developed. Mr. Becerra led a coalition of state attorneys general to fight Mississippi and say, you can't protect children that way. He actually argued before the United States uh, Court of, uh, of Appeals in the Ninth Circuit against the Little Sisters of the Poor trying to require that group of nuns to provide birth control services to the group of nuns, literally attacking the Little Sisters of the Poor to kind of push this whole agenda. 
When he was a representative in the House of Representatives, he voted against the Born Alive Survivors Protection Act. So if a child is in a botched abortion is actually delivered instead of destroyed, he wanted to say no, even after they're fully delivered, that child can still be destroyed even though they're fully delivered, which would make sense because he also, as a representative, fought against the partial birth abortion ban. The procedure where they would, it was a rare procedure, but it was a procedure where they would deliver the child all but the head and then penetrate the head with scissors and kill the child. He fought against that. He fought against the Unborn Victims of Violence Act, which really is odd to me. All it did was criminalize if someone attacked a pregnant woman and killed her child, they could also be liable for that death as well. He also didn't want to recognize the child as a child, even if the mother saw the child as a child. He also fought against uh, crossing state lines from minors and saying they shouldn't have to get parents' permission if they cross state lines to go get an abortion somewhere else. As the Attorney General in California, he fought to require churches to pay for abortion care in their health care plans when it directly violated their religious belief. Unbelievably so, he also fought to be able to require pro-life medical clinics where you could go and say, I, I, I don't want an abortion, but I do want a sonogram. I want to be able to get some more information about this child. If you went into one of those pro-life centers and got a sonogram, he fought to require there to be a poster on the wall that would say, if you would rather have an abortion, here's the place that you would go. Now, th this is beyond just protecting abortion. That has moved to promoting abortion, encouraging the death of children. It got even so bizarre that in California, when there was a video taken of a Planned Parenthood group of folks that were trafficking the body parts of children, and it was caught on video, instead of confronting the folks that were trafficking the child body parts, he went after the folks that took the video, the whistleblowers, and exposed them. I, I have to, th th this is not a, an attack on Mr. Becerra. It's just a shock to me that all of those things seem normal. I don't understand that culturally. I don't understand how the person who is being appointed to lead health and human services can say that children are subhuman. I don't have to recognize that as human, though I'm leading health and human services. That's apparently optional tissue, not a human child. I believe that children are human. We should honor every child's life. It should be baseline for us to be able to say if a child is actually delivered in a botched abortion and they've been fully delivered outside the womb, we should help that child get medical care. I don't understand why that's so hard. I don't understand why it's so hard to say some people are absolutely appalled by the taking of a child's life 
don't force them with their tax dollars to pay for it. I don't understand why that's controversial. I don't understand why it's controversial that when a child can feel pain in the womb, that we shouldn't dismember a child in the womb. I don't understand why that's controversial. I don't understand why it's controversial to some that if a healthcare provider who has sworn to protect life, that that person shouldn't be compelled to take life in an abortion procedure by their employer, I don't understand why that's controversial. But for some reason, it is. Among our most basic rights in America, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. One of the most basic things that come out of our founding documents is these things are referred to as self-evident. Facts are facts, especially when those facts have a face. How can you look at that picture and say, that's not a human child? How can we not acknowledge the simple facts? Now, I do understand for some people this is very difficult because they fought for years for abortion and they don't want that to change because if it changed, they would have to admit there have been deaths of millions of children on their watch. That is not a simple thing to admit. But please do not tell me you're following the science. Because that child has 10 fingers and 10 toes and a beating heart and a functioning nervous system. That child has DNA that's different than the mom or the dad. That's not random tissue. That is a separate person. And science would confirm that. So please don't tell me you follow the science wherever it goes. Because some facts are obvious. And the science is clear. And this all gets resolved when we answer one simple question. Is that a child or not? Because everything else goes from that. For those of you joining the March for Life online this week, good for you. Keep going. Don't give up. Defend the facts that are self-evident. Speak out for those who can't speak for themselves. Because millions of future Americans are counting on it. And they're watching for someone to admit the facts. The facts that have a face. I yield the floor. So guys, that's how it's done. I mean, eloquent, well-spoken, obviously. Very tight argumentation. But to the point as well. I mean, he, he brought abortion into your lap, essentially. He, he brought it right into your face. He, he even talked about people, you know, not being able to forget the smell of an abortion. Because again, even if you see pictures of aborted baby parts, which I think are, is a powerful tool, you never really think about the fact that that's rotting human flesh that has just been torn, freshly torn to pieces. So bravo to Senator James Lankford for doing that on the Senate floor. And I hope that other senators will join him in his fight and making their voices known. A couple of resources that I do want to bring up for you, and I bring these up basically every time we talk about this subject because I think they are valuable for you. 
If you haven't been listening to this podcast for very long, I want to direct you to a couple of old episodes. In episode six of this podcast, we did our first podcast on the issue of abortion, and we talked about everything. We talked about Roe v. Wade. We talked about different arguments. We talked about essentially how we got to where we are right now. So that's a very important episode. As I always have to say, for the first maybe 10 or 12 episodes or so, I wasn't exactly sure how my microphone worked. So I was like literally like right on top of my microphone, like talking like this. And I, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the best thing because I was trying to talk softly so that I wouldn't pop, 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 like pop the pop screen. It was an issue, right? So we've gotten better. We're still not perfect, but episode six is definitely uh, not the greatest sounding episode ever, but it does have some very good content. But then episode 78 of this podcast is probably the best episode in total that we've done on the subject. It's called Answering 17 Pro-Abortion Arguments. Because the thing about it, like I said earlier, there's a lot of people that just identify as pro-life and maybe it's just because they're Christian or maybe it's just because, you know, the thought of killing babies is abhorrent to them. But then whenever you talk to these people, their arguments just kind of fall apart because they don't have any. They don't have facts. They don't have tactics that they can use to get through. And so I took the top 17 pro-abortion arguments and I'm teaching you in that podcast how to deal with them. Because again, if you're going to engage in the subject matter, this is everything for people. I mean, this is the, the altar of truth for the Democratic Party, modern Democratic Party. I mean, there, there is no sacrament that they hold in higher regard than the sacrament of baby sacrifice. So at some point, you should be gave, able to hook horns with somebody and have a discussion about this issue and not be able to back down because you can win the abortion argument with an ardent pro-abortion advocate and remain calm because you have morality on your side. You have truth on your side. You certainly have science on your side. Again, follow the science. Well, yeah, if you follow the science, it's going to lead you to the exact same conclusion that the Bible would, regardless of which way you decide to go with that argument. So I would highly, highly encourage you guys to check out those resources. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So here are the resources for today. I've got a link to lifenews.com. That is where I basically keep up with the news. They, they basically look at everything with the pro-life situation and they keep you updated. So that's a great uh, thing to follow on social media, but also to follow their website. I've got the YouTube video of Senator Lankford defending the value of life on the Senate floor, so you can watch that for yourself. And then also I've got an article that I didn't really talk about on this podcast, but it's from National Review. It's called The Pro-Life Movement Faces Unique Challenges in the Year Ahead. So this refers to the Joe Biden administration. This refers to a lot of things that are going to be up against the pro-life movement and things that we should be aware of. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us five stars and a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the entirety of 2021, so if you want me to come speak on your podcast, at your men's event, at your church, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram, and Twitter at Undaunted Life or Facebook.com backslash Undaunted Life. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro-outro track on this podcast is our song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. I need a defense.